welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Today's Bible reading comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 51. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of this. Thinking he was in their, in the, in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him sitting in the temple courts, sitting amongst the teachers, listening to to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, "'Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you.' "'Why were you searching for me?' he asked. "'Did you not... Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Amen. Thank you, Sophie. We'll just adjust up for high church. You know... um, been in church for a long time and uh, been involved in, in churches all my life. My dad was a pastor and um, it was twice a Sunday for, for all my life, basically. And I, I just have this incredible feeling. It's, it's a unique feeling that, that God is up to something in our church at this particular moment. That, that God is doing something astounding and wonderful. And I, and I have that sense at this moment today that, that God has some information, some transformational information to impart today uh, through what I'm going to say. So I encourage you to be open in your hearts, whether you're here, whether, whether you're online and you're watching this live or whether you're watching this a little bit later on, that God wants to do business with his people today. And so be soft Let's hear what he's got to say. Let me pray. Lord, we ask. Uh, I, let me ask uh, on behalf of everybody here at this moment, Lord, that you would speak in ways in which we can understand. Not, not, not shadowed or, or um, in metaphor, but clear, precise, crisp, bespoke to our hearts that we might hear and know and truly understand what you're communicating to us at this particular moment. Clear this space, we pray, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that only your Holy Spirit is at work here. Make this a holy, sacred moment where we engage with you and feed from your hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, it's been my constant mantra to our church over the last eight or so years that there are several key ways that you will grow in your faith. None of them are extravagant or exciting, if I'm allowed to say that. But they are foundational to how we grow and how we mature and how we develop as followers of Jesus. One of those is what we are about to do at this 
particular moment uh, in this few minutes. And that is opening up our Bibles and seeing what God says, seeing what God thinks, and allowing God to apply it to our lives, allowing God to use that and to shape us and to form us into the people he wants us to be. When you listen to a Bible teacher who consistently and faithfully presents God's word before you, you will grow. You will grow in your faith and your understanding of the measure of grace that God has in you. So if you want to stand in this world of flux and this world of change, this world has, that has now given this incredible new meaning to the word pivot, then one of the best things that you can do is regularly, and I mean weekly, sit under a godly Bible teacher who will explain again and again and apply again and again God's word to your life. So I'll say to you, well done on being here on what for many people is an extended long weekend. If you're smart, you took Monday off as well and you made it a really good weekend. Well done on being here. Well done if you're online and you're setting aside time to be here and to watch this because God will speak. Do you know, one of the things I I live by is that if you wear a Bible out, you will see the growth in your life. Test me and see if I'm wrong. Wear a Bible out and see what God does in your life. Today's Bible passage, uh, because you know, a few weeks ago we were in Easter and we were right at the very end of Luke's Gospel, today's Bible passage feels like we're going right back to the beginning. And in a way we are, aren't we? We're going back to, to Jesus' birth and the very early years of his life. But from here on in, we are now going to follow through the chapters as they come uh, in Luke's Gospel. So it's, it's really hard to figure out what the next chapter is because we're at the end of chapter 2. That's a joke. Okay, just seeing if you're awake. Can you smile at least? Thank you. I've got glasses so I can now see you now. So it's really, really good. Okay. So next week, hmm, we're at the end of chapter two. What would that make next week? Chapter three. Wonderful. So those have been asking what's coming up next. There we go. We're following our way through Luke's gospel. Some will be dealing with the whole chapter. Some will be dealing with part of it. We're going to fit it in and try and do the whole of Luke um, in the rest of the year. Some people have suggested to me that I should put the readings in for next week in the weekly email. I'll try to do that. But it's simpler just to read the chapter ahead, okay? And then you'll know and understand where we're going. Now, notice what has already happened in Jesus' life. He's been born and then presented at the temple. We've covered those couple of things earlier in the year. It's been a huge few chapters where we've seen dramatic and profound things take place for humanity. Our lives have been changed because of what has happened in these two uh, quick chapters. We've seen supernatural events. We've seen angels and we see the foretelling of the ministry of John the Baptist. And we'll see more of that in the next few weeks. Now, the next we read of Jesus, he is 12 years old. And we read that, Sophie read that to us um, just a few moments ago. In the other Gospels, uh, we have a, a narrative that talks about Jesus fleeing to Egypt, but that's not in Luke. What we find is that his parents settle in Nazareth, a city re- in the region of Galilee, which was a fair way north of Jerusalem, about 145 kilometres away from Jerusalem. So to put that in context, that's about here to Ardrossan. 
Okay, you know, everybody's been to Ardrossum. Most people have been there, you know where it is. It's about here to Ardrossum. Now, Luke is very clever in what he asks us to consider. And, and what he presents to us very early on in the account of Jesus' life. And there are many underlying themes. And at, right at the very beginning of the year, I gave a, a very pithy, quite a boring synopsis of, of uh, the whole of Luke. But there are many themes that come through and some that we discover for ourselves, some that are, that are exactly for us that we are discovering. And if we sit with the gospel for a while, we, we will indeed discover them. Yet again, in a roundabout way, Luke asks us through the power of the Holy Spirit to consider this key question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? It's a question that we've already found and it's been asked over before and it's going to be asked again as we read through Luke. But notice here in chapter 2, we are confronted with the claims of Jesus. He's in the temple in Jerusalem and he says, this is my father's house. In other words, he's saying, read between the lines with who I am. Now, either you're really presented with two options about Jesus. There's there's no middle ground here. There's two options. Either he is a mad raving lunatic, okay, Bipolar, right out there. He's, he doesn't really know who he is because he's made up this fantasy about himself and he should be in Adelaide Clinic or he is who he says he is, the Son of God. He, there's, there's only two options. He's not a good moral teacher. He's not someone you can sort of half follow or mix in with other things. He's one of, of these other things. Stupid or divine. So if you've got your Bibles... Or your notebooks, then please open up and we start at verse 41 of Luke chapter 2. And if this was a newspaper article that we were opening up to, it would probably read something like, Couple lose saviour of the world. (laughs) Or, Joseph dashes humanity's hopes in redemption. Or, Mary misplaces Messiah. Or, as I've already alluded to earlier in the service, Jesus found in lost property. Okay? They lose the Son of God. They had one job to do. And they lose the Son of God. I mean, that is not going to look good if you're applying for a children's ministry position in anybody's language on a CV, let me tell you. You lost Jesus, uh, please work in the production team. That'll be no kids ministry for you, okay? All right, let's not disparage you in the production team. Let me hold you back on track. I love the production team. My son's serving out the back at the moment. He's probably turned me off. (laughs) The Gospel of Luke, and listen listen to this. This this is really key information. The Gospel of Luke is the only Gospel that records any stories about the boy Jesus. So here it is. is. This is it. We've heard it read to us at this moment. The only story we have about the boy Jesus. So it's very special for us. And and I wonder, you know, when, when I read through the Bibles, I wonder who told this account to Luke. You know, it says, you know, I've investigated this very carefully. Who told this? I bet you it was Mary. I bet you it was Mary going, just got to tell you something, Luke. Oh, it's a bit awkward, please. You know, off the record, if the rest of humanity to read, I lost Jesus. And this is how it happened. 
But what this does for us in a bigger sense is foreshadowing the relationship that Jesus has with his Father. And it tells us, this is something something I want you to really, really hear clearly. It tells us of the intimacy that Jesus has with his Father. And from that, it tells us about identity. Do you know, I, I had this sermon finished pretty well on Friday night and I was doing some manual labour on Saturday morning and I went, you know what, this sermon is nowhere near finished. I've got to explore a heap more. And so here's, here's the heap more. Because for us, it tells us that our identity or identity in general is found in conjunction with who we are in relation to who God is. Okay, I'm going to explore that. So I'm going to, I'm going to take you a little bit deeper uh, in this time. So you've got to be awake, okay? You with me? You with me? Good. This is our guiding principle. And so without a doubt, and you, know, you don't need me to tell you that our society is trying to find identity in everything but God. Now you might think that I'm simple, but, but as a person of faith, when we seek to find identity with anything but God, we stand on the end of a chasm. And we're on the very edge of a precipice and we are in danger as a society of falling in and falling away and chaos will result. And many people have already plunged into the chasm and into the abyss. And you see it represented in media and media personalities and social media right across the board. And we're going to see it more and more. Changing things about you, around you, in you will not bring the meaning and satisfaction that God alone can bring. The world is chasing it everywhere, but your identity is only found in God. It is a foundational truth that we must understand and we must apply to our lives. It is a principle that guides who we are and it sets us apart from the rest of the world from non-believers. Now, I could go on about this for the whole sermon because it is essential to how we live our lives and how we establish ourselves, how we view ourselves, how how we have meaning in ourselves, how we see our own self-worth. Identity apart from God is a false sense of reality. It is fake news. It's clickbait. I tell you, it leads nowhere. Who God says you are and the value that God gives you is what you must take as truth. It is the only thing of substance. I realise that over the year I need to push into this much more for it is a huge issue and it is unravelling society around us where we get identity from. And it's leading many astray. Let me take you back to the text, verse 41. Verse 41 tells us that Mary, it was Mary and Joseph's habit to travel to Jerusalem for every year of the festival of Passover. Festival of Passover, great celebration, remembrance of the delivery of the children of Israel from slavery from Egypt, the beginning of their walk to the promised land. Huge. Read it in Exodus. It is very important time. I cannot find a similar... Uh, celebration or um, 
ritual that we would have in, in our context at this particular moment for its depth and its meaning. It, it goes beyond that which we understand or practice at this moment. Because it was a few days' journey and parts of the travelling companions went slower than others, it was usual for the women and children to leave first and obviously the men had to sleep in and then left a little bit later in the day. I don't know what happened, but children, uh, women and children went first and the men came later. That was the habit. So probably what happened with Jesus being left behind was that Mary in leaving first thought that Jesus was with Joseph and Joseph leaving later thought that Jesus was with Mary. And it was only later that day when they met up, they discovered that Jesus was not in fact with them. If you ever left a child, lost a child in a shopping centre, you know that feeling, don't you? Whoa. You can imagine the panic as they realise they lost the Son of God. One job given to them by angels, worshipped by shepherds and kings. More newspaper headlines. Jesus starts the Left Behind series. (laughs) Or one that was given to me during the week by one um, clever uh, member of our team. Social services swoop on stranded saviour. I'll finish, okay? No more of those. Now, now in this first part of the passage, I want us to notice some really important things that take place. Verse 41, let me read it to you. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. Notice the first word, or the first two words, every year. Verse 42 said, according to the custom... According to their custom, you, you, can, you can read it in your own Bible for yourself. What's in the screen behind me? In other words, it was their habit to go to Jerusalem every year. Now, remember how far away they were from Jerusalem. It was, it was probably a good four days walk in each direction. They did it every year. Eight days out of the year walking in order to be at this particular celebration. Fair effort on their part, if it, I think. Quite a walk. Imagine if for whatever reason that year they did not bother. Imagine they went, oh, oh God, eight days, I've got to get new sandals. The, dog, the, the donkey's not up to it. A bit worn out from you know, when I rode it 12 years ago. Um, let's, just, let's just stay home, shall we? Or, or Mary, Mary goes, or Joseph goes to Mary, like, let's, let's do church at home today, shall we? Which we know as it never really happens, does it? Or, or, or Mary says, "Let's just do family time this year. Let's let's just let's just stay at home." Imagine what they would have missed out on. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what they would have missed out on in the next. You see, it's really easy for us to appropriate this into our context. For when we keep up the ritual of engaging with God, things happen. Okay. This one is, it's really simple. It's a principle of how we can experience God. You want to experience God, here it is. Richly turning up and experiencing God with God's people. So if you're writing down notes, write this. Regular gathering with God's people puts us in a place where God moves. I'll say it again. Regular gathering with God's people puts us in a place where God moves. This, 
Two words tell us the importance of being together with God's people. Now, we can make all sorts of excuses, but nothing suffices for being in the presence of God with these people. If you let a party get in the way the night before, you miss out. If you let tiredness get in the way, you miss out. If you let laziness in the way, if, if you went to a wedding over the weekend, if you had uni, if you had a busy week, if you had holidays, if you don't like the preacher, if you're just slack, you miss out on what God is doing in the context of his people. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. God is here. Jesus is here by the power of his Holy Spirit. We believe that. If you're not here, you miss out. In fact, all these things that go on in our life, parties, uni, work, pressures, all sorts of stuff, we need God's light to shine on them and to tell us what's true and what's not true. That's, that's the truth. You see, like the, the best time to go to a gym is not when you are feeling fit, but when you're feeling fat and lethargic, that's the best time to go. When you don't feel like going, you should go. It's the same with gathering in worship with God's people. Now, verse 12, next verse is quite interesting, verse 42. When he was 12 years old, they went to the festival according to their custom. It appears to be that when a Jewish male turned 12, he went through the rituals of becoming a man. In other words, in that society, a boy becomes a man at 12. That changed a lot if that happened with us, wouldn't it? And I think we see this as the rest of the narrative pads out with Jesus engaging with the temple priests and, and pretty much being responsible for himself. His parents didn't need to look after him. This is what I think he's thinking because he's turned 12. His parents didn't need to look after him because he's looking after himself. I reckon that's what could be implied by some of the answers to their questions. I love this because it shows that even a 12-year-old can be responsible for his own actions for himself and take full responsibility. And it teaches us a lesson. For again, if I'm looking at society generally across the board, I can see this is a rare thing. Taking responsibility for ourselves is not common. From, from answers like, the devil made me do it, to my upbringing, we hear all sorts of denial as to why we're not responsible for ourselves. Denial of personal responsibility. Yet that is not who God made us to be. We too often default on our humanity by excusisms. We choose the easy, easy path, the line of least resistance, instead of being mature. For we are made to live into our identities as the people before God and assume the full responsibility that comes with that, our brokenness as well. Let me encourage you at this very moment to think, what do I need to take responsibility for in my life at this moment? To stop pretending it's not my fault, it's not my issue, it's not my obligation. Let me tell you, this, this is not a young person's issue. This is society's issue. You know, God is not just interested in that you are saved and going to heaven. God is interested in your maturity, your maturity of faith and your maturity of life. What area do you need to mature in today? Many of us need to mature in our daily reading of the Bible. 
in our financial tithing, in, in our service. Many of us need to mature in our attitudes and our, our thought patterns, in our internet habits. We need to mature in our following through, mature in our resilience. If a 12-year-old boy takes responsibility for his actions, I think we can as well. Agreed? Of course, the key verse and the high point of this passage is verse 49. But let me read 48 in the context as well. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. It's interesting he doesn't say overjoyed or really happy or finally astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Verse 49, here it is. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Hidden in that response from Jesus is a most startling fact. And it's this, that Jesus must be undertaking what God wanted him to do. In some translations at the end of verse 49, where it says father's house, it it can say about my father's business. Jesus here is clearly responding to the call that God has on his life. And his life is, is not driven by fate or haphazard or, or chance. It was, it was not random. It's purposeful and strategic. Even as a 12-year-old, Jesus was conscious of what his life's plan was all about. His life was driven by God's design. This tells me the depth of Jesus' obedience to the Father's will and the fullness of the love of God. We can see outworking now, even in a 12-year-old, which we would consider as a boy. Even here, we can see that Jesus' life is guided by his wonderful and unique relationship that he has with his Father in heaven. And to me, this says that your life matters, and it matters way back then, even to a 12-year-old who knew the plans that God had for all humanity and was keen to explore them, keen to understand them, keen to follow them, even if it meant being left behind in Jerusalem. Obedience is the one thing that mattered to Jesus, obedience to the Father. Now, now here is probably the most important thing that I will say today. The reason that Jesus was obedient to the Father was you. You see, that relationship that Jesus has with the Father is a special one. It is beautiful and lovely and gracious and and it it delights in each other. In the next chapter, we we see Jesus being baptised and we see this in stark reality and we have those beautiful words, here is my son. The reason this is about you is because of Jesus' work and obedience. Jesus, see, see, you just got to grapple with this. You just got to, you got to take this on board. Jesus and the Father want you to be part of that unique relationship. The Creator of the world wants you to have intimacy and relationship with Him. 
that, that, is, that is probably some of the most profound knowledge that I could ever pass on to you. You know, it seems a bit sharp, the response that Jesus had to his mother's question in the context of all this. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Obviously, Jesus assumes his parents would understand his calling and naturally think where he would be found. But they miss it and they they waste three days searching for him, trying to understand what's going on. When to him, it's obvious where he would be. He's not at the skate park. Like he's not intensity. He's at the temple. He's wanting to understand the Father's will for his life. The interesting thing here is that that these, these are the first recorded words that we have of Jesus. And they point to the relationship that he has with his Father. And it's a relationship that... It's not an exclusive relationship because we know in a few short years this will be opened up to the whole of humanity. It includes us. We're invited to be into the family of God. We're not spectators. We're not just watching this and going, what a quaint story. No, we're invited to be part of this and walk into that relationship. Once we were orphans, now we can be children of God. That's the deal. You know, 1 John 3 verse 1, how how great the love the Father has on us that we should be called what? The children of God. You know what what John says straight off that? And that is what we are. Definite article. That is what we are. Here it is. We see it right here, the boy Jesus, and he's opening this out for us, for the rest of humanity, for you to be included into. Not orphans but children, wanted, loved, painfully brought in to this beautiful relationship into the Father heart of God. Mary and Joseph, did you know, not know what I was up to, says Jesus? Didn't you, didn't you get what I was doing? And he says the same to us. He says, Jonathan. Didn't you know what I was up to? And he says it with your name as well. Don't you know what I'm up to? Can't you see what I am doing, what I am bringing about? I was about the business of bringing you all into the kingdom of God. If you would just believe and take hold of it for yourself, into the family of God. Jesus tells us that he's doing something that no one else can do, something that we can scarcely believe because it is so marvellous and so wonderful. And we get a little sense of it at this moment and it explodes out further the more we understand it. So powerful and freeing, so gracious. God is so forgiving. Invites you in knowing exactly who you are and all the things you know about yourself and says, come in, I forgive you. I want you to be part of. Here, my friends, look, Look, here's the truth. Here here is your identity. This is where it's found. Here is the foundation of your life. Here, Here is your reason to be. Here is the intimacy that Jesus has with the Father that you are invited into as well. 
Do you know the invitations have been printed and your name is on them? You don't have to respond to all that which goes on around you. Cling to this, come home to this, find your rest here and here alone. My friends, do you not know what Jesus was up to? He was up to the salvation of the world, the redemption of all of us, the forgiveness of all sins, the freedom of all the captives, the recovery of sight for all the blind, the equality of all relationships that's found here in the heart of the Father as Jesus outworks it for all the humanity. It's you, it's me. And today the offer is here for us to believe and accept this relationship. And if you already know it, to walk further into it, to explore it more. Because it doesn't go like this, it goes like this. To have intimacy with God, for God to tell us who we are and what our real value is. Not, not some social media post that compares us to a fake fad that is more make-believe than reality. Photoshopped to make it look better than what it is. But reality, truth, grounded in blood for us. My friends, this is genuine. This is actual. That's, it's, it's so genuine. It's actual. This is truth. This is the way and embracing it we find life. In this world, it's not all glossy and sparkly, but it is in the next. And it's all there is. But if you look under the surface, you will see the truth of my words, both here and now. And millions upon millions of others have found the truth of this and have been released to live as God intended, as children of God. Let me finish, finish with verse 52. We didn't read it out, but I want to finish with verse 52. And Jesus, after all this, this here's Luke's summation. Okay, After all that's going on, and he's conveying these things to us, he summates it by saying this. And Jesus grew, verse 52, in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. Do you see what... See, I think what, what he was saying to us, I, I think what, how I can interpret this and how I can apply it to our lives is that Luke is saying to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, the realisation of what our adoption as children of God means. Here, here it is. What taking our identity from God does to us, it makes us grow in wisdom and maturity and others see it. It's evident to others around us. They get it. They get there's something happening in that person and we can believe it. In other words, we live life well the way we were meant to live. You live the purpose that God has for your life and it resonates with all those around us. Don't, don't you want to be like that? I do. It's my, it's my heart for you to be like that. To not let your life pass you by by watching TV or just reruns of Netflix, but craving for something more. The boy Jesus has just shown us that there is more and he's only spoken one sentence. Wait for a few more chapters when he really gets going. And we're going to find life and life in fullness and abundance if only we but take it. Let me lead you in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word to us. 
May we understand what intimacy with you really means. May we find our identity in you and in you alone. Pull away the fake things. Lead us to the truth, the reality. It's you, Jesus, your name above every other name. And God's people said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.